Okay, we are in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And last time we focused on verse 4. It says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scriptures speak to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us, but He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So last time we focused on verse 4 in particular, which says, where he calls, he calls people adulteresses which is really a strong uh, admonition. And he says that friendship with the world is hostility toward God, unless we think that that's an isolated verse. He repeats himself in a little bit different manner, but the same thing. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And then he appeals to us with a question. He says, do you think or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? Again, this demands an answer that no, we do believe it speaks to a purpose. He jealously desires the Spirit which He made to to dwell in us. He jealously desires this relationship. There is a relationship that I have with my wife that is exclusive to us. We have a particular sort of marital relationship as all marriages should have, that is exclusive to us as a married couple. And I don't want to give that up, even for one hour. If somebody should say, let me have your wife for just one hour. I mean, you have her all year, just one hour. Or if another woman comes to a woman and says, let me just have your husband for one hour. You know, we realize immediately that that's wrong. That there is a relationship that is reserved exclusively for the other. God has a relationship with us as His children that He wants to reserve exclusively for Him. And we looked at other verses about this last week. But now He appeals to us more in verse 5. Do you think the Scriptures speak to us to no purpose? In other words... Do the Scriptures speak needlessly? And now, in this verse, he is, interestingly, he quotes something, but we don't have this precise quote from our Old Testament. We have the generality of this. He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. There is a depth of relationship that Jesus Christ has for us that has set us to be with the Father. And let's begin to look at that a little bit. Look in John chapter 15. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 15. 
And we'll start reading from verse 10. John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken so that my, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let's look what he says. He says, if, if he starts out. What does if mean? It means you will get this if you do something. These blessings are coupled to some act of obedience. If you keep my commandments, if you do this, if you keep my commandments, there's about 150 commandments in the New Testament. James, every verse you get one or two commandments. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, there's going to be a depth of relationship if you keep my commandments. This is what Jesus says. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. If you feel, or if I feel far off from God, that's not God's fault. God has done everything to keep us close with Him. It says that if I keep the commandments of God, I will abide in His love. There is a depth of relationship in His love. I will abide there in His love if I keep His commandments. And then He says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You want to have joy? You want to have a kind of life that's excited, that's joyful, Jesus reveals to us the secret. He says, keep my commandments and you will have joy abiding in you because you'll have a depth of relationship. I love God so much. I was, I was listening to this, this sermon by Charles Spurgeon and he was talking about these scripture verses where God says that, that those who hate Him, He will oppose, that He will, he will uh, oppose them to their face. And you know, you, you listen to these verses and you hear them. And it's, I get this feeling like, this is not the God that I know. In the sense that my Father is so close to me. Now you take a man who is a general, who you know, sends people into battle and, and can, can attack, but with his own child. He treats him such. This is the, the way I feel about God. I know that He's awesome. I know that He can destroy in an instant. But with me, I feel so close to Him. Sometimes, this thought goes through my mind. Sometimes I wonder if He has time for anybody else. Because He's always so good to me. Now I know theologically, it's no problem. But I'm talking relationally. It's like so much. I just am consumed with Him. And I get this sense, He with me. That I wonder, does He really have time for anybody else? How many people are really experiencing the depth of relationship that I have? Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
And you are going to have my joy in you. And your joy will be made full. You will have joy. That doesn't mean that you don't have struggles. That doesn't mean that you, have a down, you, you never have a down day. But there is a depth of relationships. This is what he's calling us to. This is why it says in James, don't you realize the scripture doesn't speak to us needlessly. He jealously desires the spirit that is within us. He jealously desires it. Just like I jealously desire my wife, there is a love that we have that remains exclusively for us. And not even for one hour will I share that love with another. God says, if you are friends with the world, you are an enemy with God. Powerful verse. It is He who has given us these commands that wants this type of relationship. Turn back to James. Then he says in verse 6, but He gives, James chapter 4 verse 6, but He gives a greater grace. Therefore God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives a greater grace. Grace means undeserved gift, but it doesn't only mean undeserved gift. Yes, grace is an undeserved gift. And it's not something that I deserve. That would be like the beggar saying, Oh yes, I held out my hand. Aren't I great to have received your gift? Grace is an undeserved gift, but it is more than that. In Philippians 2.13, it goes a little bit deeper. In Philippians 2.13, it tells us something a little bit deeper. It says that it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God is at work in me and in you to will and to work. God even gives us the will to will and to work for His good pleasure. This is what grace is. It is an undeserved gift, but it is also the desire to please God. God gives a greater grace. God gives it greater. He gives grace. For what? And He says God gives a greater grace. What's the context of this God giving a greater grace? It's the context of what's just above it in verse 4. If you're friends with the world, you're an enemy with God. I like like these people. I just like to dance with them. I have relationships with people in the world, and we looked at verses on this last week, that it's not that we're not supposed to communicate with people who are not in the world. We are not to build friendship relationships that go deep. And this happens, let me warn you young women, happens to many Christian young women. Let me warn you of this so you can make a decision now before the onslaught comes. And it is this, that you will meet a young man that you think is particularly handsome and really quite nice. And you'll wonder, will I ever meet anybody this nice? Now, I know he doesn't believe, but he's not a bad guy, and he's close to believing. And maybe through this relationship with me, I can kind of bring him into the kingdom. 
This happens a lot to young Christian women. And there are a lot of young Christian women that get involved with young men in this way and that deeply regret it in a few years. And they regret it particularly if they should get married. But generally they end up in bed with that young man long before they've ever gotten married. This is true. I have seen this. I've worked with a lot of students over the years. I was once a student myself. And I've worked with thousands of young people. I have seen it. So be ready for this. That if you allow that relationship to develop, it will pull you down. God jealously desires the spirit that he has placed within you. And then, when young women marry these sort of young men, it is disaster. Disaster. Very quickly, the man stops going to church. And it is wrenching, absolutely wrenching to these women. You know, young ladies sometimes want me to kind of assess the young men that they're dealing with. And, and it's not because I just you know, love doing this. I do this as a service to those that I care about. And one day a young lady called up and she said to my wife, she said, I want Dr. Tour to meet this young man. And this, this young girl had graduated a couple of years. She was graduated for a couple of years. Beautiful, wonderful, believing young lady. And she said to Shireen, she says, I want Dr. Tour to meet him. Shireen said, let me ask you this. Is he a believer? She said, well, no, but he's really a good guy. And she said, let me tell you something. If Dr. Tour meets him, he's really going to give it to him and to you about this relationship. Well, she never brought him over. And that is one way to avoid the problem. Just never bring him over. But it's one way to exacerbate a problem that's going to occur, that's going to be much deeper in her life. A similar thing happens to young men, where young men will start seeing a woman who doesn't know the Lord and start building a relationship there. And it is deceptive, and it is wrong. And young men in relationships, you be the leader. You be the one who sets the boundaries and to say, say, we will not go there. We will not do this. I will not lay my hand upon you. Yes, people in the world do this all the time, but this is not for us. God gives a greater grace. He will give you the will and the ability to walk with Him in this. You set the bounds. And even if a young lady is pushing herself upon you, don't think, wow, you know, she must really be good if she sees something in me. No. That doesn't necessarily make you Mr. Macho. You set the boundaries. And you say, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do this. You young men, take that leadership role and set the boundaries. And young woman, if the young men that you're dealing with don't know how to set those boundaries, maybe he's not mature enough for you. It is a beautiful thing to have things directed in the ways of God. It is good and it is right. But then there's a wrong way. He says he gives a greater grace, but then God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is a quote from the Old Testament. God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. What is he talking about? Which proud 
people is he talking about? He's talking about in verse 4, those who say, look, this is my life and it's my relationship and I'll decide. And God says, fine, decide. There is free will. We have it. We have it. I'm not trying to take away from you your free will. It's none of my business. The scriptures speak to us though. There is a will in God. And without free will, life itself, love itself would be impossible. Because God allows us to choose wrongly, rather than forcing us to choose what is right. God does allow us to choose wrongly, rather than forcing us to choose what is right. So there is a free will that we have in God. And so if you want to say, well, I can choose my relationship. I know, I know who I like. You know, God, the Bible says, God is opposed to the proud. Poof. Stiff arm. That's what the Bible says. God teaches us the character regarding Himself. He teaches us His character through this book. God says, I am opposed to the proud that feel that they can establish their own relationships and decide that on their own. I oppose them. Because two verses up, he said twice, you're an enmity or you're an enemy with God. He says, but I give grace to the humble. Lord, I don't know how to run the relationships in my life. I don't know how to deal with people. Father, help me. You know, so often we ruin relationships, and I'm a master at it. By things we say. God gives this enormous grace. He gives grace to the humble. This is what he says. He's pouring out this grace on us. He says, look, if you keep my commandments, you're going to abide in my love. And you're going to have joy that just fills your life. He is building in us a depth of relationship that he wants to have with us. He says in verse 7, Submit therefore to God. Again, another imperative. This book is just filled with imperatives. Submit to God in verse 7. Submit therefore to God. Therefore meaning referring to what's above. God gives a greater grace. Submit therefore to Him and receive this grace. It's like this tremendous gift God holds out. I don't need that. I can run it myself. I'll tell you, you know, as a father, I set things up sometimes for my children. You know, fathers do this type of thing. And, and the barriers for them can be so much lower than the barriers for others. And I'll just offer them this. You know, to introduce them to somebody really important in their particular area. They just offer them this. They may or may not take it. Let me give you an example. My son was a kicker, football kicker. So I brought him to lunch with this guy, Chris Brown, who's the kicker for the Houston Texans. How do I get to know Chris Brown? I don't know. It's a long story. But all of these guys, they just, oh, my high school son likes this type of thing. I'll have him have lunch with Chris Brown. Just offer them things. 
God does this for us as His children. He'll open doors for us. He'll open doors in careers all the time. He will do this if we honor Him. Well, I can take care of my career myself. Fine. Take care of it yourself. I would rather have God open doors for me. It is a wonderful thing that all of a sudden there are relationships that get built because God brings people together. Because God opens doors. Because God gives you the words to say. Because God causes you to do well in an interview. Because you cry out to God, Father, help me on this interview. And God does. You don't have to humble yourself. You can just go on the interview yourself. Lots of people get jobs without crying out to God. You want to do that? Fine. But there's your Heavenly Father is there. Ready to give. There is a relationship there. Ready to give. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say resist the devil and he won't bother you. It says resist the devil and he will flee. Ah! He will flee from you if you resist him. This is what it says. You know, in, 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 uh, in Matthew, Jesus is being tempted, tempted by, by the devil. And look at the way Jesus deals with the temptations from the, that come from the devil. The devil comes to him and says in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's in Matthew 4, 4. So what does Jesus do? Jesus confronts the devil with what? The Scriptures. He confronts the devil with the Scriptures. Then what does the devil do? The devil comes to him and says, took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So it's interesting. Now the devil comes to Jesus in verse 6 of Matthew chapter 4, and the devil starts quoting Psalm 91. The devil started quoting the Bible. Isn't that interesting? The devil tempted Jesus with the Bible. Isn't this deceptive? So he starts quoting Psalm 91. I wasn't even going to go there, but let me show you this. It's so cool. Psalm 91. So the devil starts quoting Psalm 91, and from verse 11, he says, Psalm 91, verse 11, For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against the stone. And he stopped quoting right there. Why? Because the next verse in Psalm 91 says, You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. How convenient. <laughs> just happened to stop right there. Didn't want to share the next verse. And what Jesus does, in verse 7, he says, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus comes back at him with the Scriptures. Devil comes again. In verse 9 of Matthew, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Three times the devil came at him. Three times Jesus used the Scriptures against the devil. Knowing the Word of God is a tremendous sword against the devil. So when the enemy comes and says, You are a sinner. You can do as Martin Luther did and reply to the devil, Jesus came to save sinners. You quote the Bible right back. So he says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But then he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let me give you some passages now that I use in my own life to draw near to God. For times where I feel inadequate and afraid, I draw near to Him. And this depth of relationship just starts welling in within me. Look in in, uh, Jeremiah. Look at this prophet Jeremiah in chapter 1. Jeremiah was a young man when he was called. A young man. And God is now calling Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And look what he does in calling this young man. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I, turned, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So this is what he says to this young Jeremiah. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's like, Me? Me? God says, then I, Jeremiah said, then I said, alas, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to him, do not say, I am a youth, because wherever I, everywhere I send you, you shall go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver, I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. You see, He called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I'm but a youth. And God said, don't say I'm a youth. But I am a youth. God said, don't say I'm a youth. Don't say it. Because wherever I send you, you're going to go. And all that I command you to speak, you're going to speak. So do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. I used to read this portion of Scripture when I would have to stand up in prison ministry for ten years and stand up before those men and speak and I'd see these crowds of men and, and this was a maximum security prison. They weren't in there for skipping Sunday school. And, you know, who am I? I've never been arrested. You know, I've, who am I to be speaking? God said, don't be afraid of them. And then look what he tells Jeremiah. In verse 17 of that same chapter, Jeremiah chapter 1. Now gird up your loins, arise and speak to them, all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron and as walls of bronze against the whole land to the, 
kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, and to all the people. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Look at this promise. Look at this promise. Do you want to engage in this? Look at the depth of the relationship, what it can do for you. Don't pass this by. God speaks this to us. He's calling us into a deeper relationship than the world would ever give us. He says, gird up your loins and speak to them all which I command you. Don't be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. In other words, if I say, I can't do it, I just can't do it. You know what's going to happen? I can't do it. You be dismayed before them, I will dismay you before them. But I'm telling you, do not be afraid. Because I have made you as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, and as a wall of bronze. And I would repeat this to myself. I'm a fortified city. I am a pillar of iron, and I am a wall of bronze. Boom! I'd go out there and just speak, and they'd be, just be blown away. Because it was the Spirit of God would fill and rise in me. I'm sharing with you secrets. Of how God can take your life and do something magnificent with it. More than you could ever ask or think. You think you are inadequate for a task. It is here. Success is here. I have made you. Today. Today I have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, and a wall of bronze. Believe it. He will fill you. This is the relationship that God has for His people. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see why He wants us to keep His commandments? He wants us to take hold of this. And we want to drop this treasure for the stinking little trinkets of the world. And God said, I am opposed to that. I am opposed to the world's ways. And I will oppose you. God said, I will oppose you. If you go after the world's ways, I will oppose you. Not only does He just leave us to our own, it says He will oppose us. If we go about it the world's way. I don't want that. God fills us with strength for what He calls us to. He fills us with strength for what we need. He says, in verse, again in, in verse 18, He says, I have made you a fortified city as a pillar of iron and as walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah, to its princes. Here's a young man. I don't know, maybe 17, 18 years old. Maybe younger. He says, I'm, I'm a youth. God said, don't say I'm a youth. Because in Israel, if you were over 20, 20 was the, the age that you went to war. So he had to be less than 20 if he's calling himself a youth. He says, not only am I, am I going to send you, I'm going to send you to the kings of Judah and to its princes. I mean, the kings? I mean, they can lop off my head. And to its princes? Who are the princes? They're the cocky young men who think that they're something because of the blood that's within them. I'm going to send you to them. 
So God will stretch you. He will call you to things that you think you cannot handle. I'm going to send you to its priests. To its priests? I don't know enough religion stuff. That's who I'm going to send you to. And by the way, when you're done with them, to all the people of the land, every one of them, they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God calls us to something greater. He has something better for us, something better in Himself. Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs 28, verse 1. This verse has filled me. I have seen this time and time again. Where I think that I am inadequate. I've been asked to speak and I don't know what I'm going to share. I've studied a portion of Scripture all week to stand in front of you and to share it. And I don't see anything in particular. But God will fill me. God will fill me. You can have this. This is why He jealously desires the Spirit that He has placed within you, James says. He jealously desires this. Do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He gives a greater grace. God has this buckets and showers of blessings He's wanting to pour out on us. And we think we want to do it ourselves. We think that our own way is better. Don't you know that He gives a greater grace than what the world gives? He gives a greater grace. God has so much for us. He's calling us to walk differently. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the mercies of God and the grace of God. Thank you for these young people. Father, I pray that you would not have to oppose them, but you would be giving them grace. Father, I pray that they would choose your ways and your relationships. Father, may they choose your ways and your relationships. Work in their lives, I pray, and draw them. Lord, I pray that they would see what it is to keep the commandments of Jesus, to do battle with the devil by quoting your word and seeing him flee from them. Father, I pray your greatest blessing on these young people. Father, work in their lives, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.